chapter seven of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain a strange wooing madeline woke as from a dream her senses seemed to have taken to themselves wings she knew not where she was it was as if there was a weight upon her eyes so that she could not open them what was that which touched her lips again and again so warmly yet so softly with an effort which appeared to her to be of strange magnitude she induced her eyelids to unclose for a moment and then they shut again but in that second she saw as in a glass darkly a face looking down into hers the face of a man whose face was it whose could it be she wondered in the curious confusion of her intellect and what was it doing so close to hers and why did its near neighbourhood convey to her so odd a sense of satisfaction and of ease once more the something soft yet warm came in contact with her lips again and again a quiver went all over her a flash of illumination the man whose face was looking down at hers was kissing her in the sudden shock of her surprise her eyes flashed themselves wide open in an instant she was caught up in a strenuous grasp kisses were rained upon her lips and cheeks and eyes and brow and hair a voice exclaimed half choked by its own eagerness my love my dear my darling thank god i thought that you were dead god forgive me sweet for thinking so to see your eyes again oh to see them dear never before had she been conscious of so peculiar a sensation of such mastering exhilaration of such a sudden simultaneous flow of hot and eager blood through all her veins her eyes closed fluttered by tears which had in them no bitterness her cheeks burned her lips parted her breath came quicker her frame thrilled with a new a vivid a penetrating rapture then followed the reaction on a sudden she remembered all that had happened with flaming clearness how maud had vanished how the earl had come into the room how she had shrunk away from him how he had rushed forward and how the explosion had followed then she knew that she was lying on the floor and that the earl of staines held her in his arms that it was he who had kissed her who had addressed her with such impassioned words oh oh she cried what have i done she tried to rise but he would not let her continuing to hold her fast done my darling you've done nothing tell me are you badly hurt hurt i'm not hurt why should i be hurt the memory of the explosion came back to her to fill her with a new and instant fear and you are you hurt my darling no i'm not hurt i'm a little scorched i think but nothing more scorched in a moment she was out of his arms in spite of him kneeling on the floor at his side she gazed eagerly at him why you're all burnt your poor poor face in her voice there seemed to be a throb of pain sweetheart why it's nothing and if it were i'd be burnt again and again and again to have you speak to me like that better than any oil or ointment is the music of your words he stretched out his arms and put them round her and drew her to him she offering no resistance 
she could have offered none even had she wished and she did not wish it was as though she was under a spell she suffered him to pillow her head upon his breast to press his lips against her brow your poor poor face was all she said and he replied after all these years and they were still she was more than half afraid it seemed to her that in the whole business there was something supernatural in her excited condition it was to her almost as if they had been drawn together by the hand of god they had been so near to death together that their late propinquity in the valley of the shadow seemed to apply also now that once more they were standing at the gates of life and although he was but the chance acquaintance of as it were a miraculous moment in some strange fashion it seemed to her that she had known him all her life as though his spirit if not his body had kept step with her steps from the beginning unto now so that she who as a rule with strangers more especially when they were masculine was reserve itself was content to continue in the strange man's arms as if the position was a matter of course and from all time hers of right it was indeed as if she had come into her own at last it was he who broke the silence experimenting again with things that go off i what do you mean haven't you been exploring in the caves where nature keeps her secrets isn't it to that we owe this illustration she raised herself out of his arms do you think i have had anything to do with what has happened he eyed her as if puzzled then he knitted his brow is it possible do you suspect can reginald have had a finger in the thing she shrank away i do not know maud my darling if he has i'll call him to account for it though he were twenty times my brother he has not hurt us very much that is true perhaps he only meant to frighten us i wonder what was in the thing his jokes are apt to have rather a peculiar flavour perhaps this was meant for one of them hurt us so far as i'm concerned he's done me the best service in his power he's brought you close to me at last my darling do you know that in some strange way you seem to have all at once become more beautiful as if you had become etherealized passed through the cleansing fires and left behind in them the grosser vapours you have become sweeter gentler tenderer a new maud it's the latest and the loveliest addition i'm holding to my heart again he took her in his arms and drew her to him and again she suffered him silently all quivering as he kissed her all her pulses seemed to bound he whispered in her ear tell me that you're happy she answered him in a voice that was tremulous and dry as if it proceeded with difficulty from her throat yes i am happy as he showered on her his rapturous embraces she shut her eyes shivering with an ecstasy which was akin to pain this seems to be a case in which two are company and three are none some one said this while still he was in the very middle of his wooing in a moment the proceeding ceased he was on his knees and madeline loosed was scrambling to her feet the countess of Staines stood in the open doorway her either hand resting on a silver-handled stick with her withered frame bent double clad in a vivid blue silk dress of some unknown style and shape which was much too large for her she looked like one of the old-time witches brought to life again her enormous head which was over big for what was left of her body hung forward as if in her shrivelled neck there was not strength enough to hold it up her face which was a maze of deep ploughed wrinkles spoke of age which was very far beyond the psalmist's allotted span it was only when one perceived the eyes which glowered from beneath the 
penthouse of the overhanging brows that one began to understand how it was that so striking an example of decrepitude came to have life in her at all it was the eyes which gave away the secret which told of unbending resolution indomitable will which proclaimed the determination to cling on to existence until even in the owner's judgment it was no longer worth the having the two gleaming orbs revealed the mystery of the woman's strength they suggested the vitality of twenty linked to a knowledge of the world's wickedness through all the generations that have been when one encountered them they conveyed the impression that this ancient female had lived and did live and would live with one end constantly in view to have her own way in large things as in small and woe betide whoever should venture to say her nay grandmother exclaimed the earl following madeline's example by springing to his feet and alone have you come here from your room all alone the old lady looked at him as some old bird might regard an impertinent youngster her voice had in it a rustic quality it creaked as if her throat required oiling why not once i could walk as well as you and better i can walk now when i choose and i have chosen who's forbidding me i'd a fancy to come and see maud thinking to take her unawares but it seems that you have been in front of me i'd no notion you would be her visitor the earl advancing offered his arm to lead her into the room she would have none of him wagging her ancient head she hobbled forward by the aid of her two sticks he hastened to place a chair for her in a convenient position before however she would seat herself she looked about her round the room this is a mad room of yours my girl fitter for dying in than living madeline was silent not having the faintest notion what to say feeling hardly qualified to criticise the absent owner's notions of upholstery the old lady fixed on her her glowing eyes don't you hear what i am saying why don't you speak when you are spoken to i am sorry you don't like it murmured madeline the countess seemed to be as little pleased with her speech as with her silence you are uncommonly mild upon a sudden why don't you tell me that i don't know what i am talking about and proceed to teach your grandmother as is your general way the earl noting the girl's confusion endeavoured to divert the countess's attention come grandmother here's a chair for you hadn't you better sit the old lady turned on him i'll sit down when i choose and not before my man do you think that i've no legs of my own to stand on you're a fool if you do but in spite of her words she accepted the seat he proffered leaning right forward the better to glare at madeline there's a change come in you somewhere girl i'm trying to make out just what it is i saw it in the music-room but i can see it plainer now what's troubled you nothing nothing she mimicked the girl's stammering intonation what's come to you your voice and to your insolence you look and sound as if you'd changed your nature between the evening and the morning what's happened to her stains something has happened which will give you pleasure almost as much pleasure as it has given me she has engaged herself to be my wife the blood rushed to the girl's face she trembled with so much violence that she could hardly stand the old lady regarded her intently so has she indeed say that again going to madeline the earl slipped his arm through hers she has yielded to my prayers at last and made of me the happiest man alive and where's her happiness we share our happiness don't we maud the girl was dumb is that so then by the look of it you've got her share as well as yours his voice sinking was intended to reach her ears alone that's not so maud is it don't be afraid my darling say it isn't so but the girl trembling on his arm was still 
the old lady resented his endeavour to appeal to the girl's private feelings speak up man let's hear what you say don't prompt her to tell lies has the girl gone dumb are you ill no i'm not ill what ails you then are you afraid no i'm not afraid you look as if you were which is something new in you you being as a rule a bundle of forward insolence is it true what staines says have you promised to be his wife no i don't think i've promised she doesn't think in heaven's name girl aren't you sure wasn't he kissing you when i came in yes i think he was she thinks again what's happened to the girl can she do nothing else but think the earl interposed i should have told you grandmother that an accident which occurred just before you came has tried maud's nerves what was the accident something exploded as you see it has scorched my face and startled maud the old lady kept her gleaming eyes fixed persistently on madeline's countenance surveying her for a moment or two in silence when she spoke there was a grimness in her grating tones come close girl and let me look at you if this mysterious accident of which staines talks has not completely shattered your nervous system which i had not supposed an easy thing to do i take it you can answer a straight question straightly madeline did as she was bid bracing herself as best she could to enable herself to bear the further strain which she saw was coming i would rather you did not question me just now you would rather but i choose i've been talking to singleton inquiring since i've seen so little of you of late what it is you say to her and with what sort of occupations you employ your time precious little information i've gained if she's to be believed she knows as little as i my patience of which i'd never overmuch is wearing thin the days are fading i fade too for me the end of days is near at hand it's time that staines was married and i'm resolved he shall be before i go who marries him takes all i have and my blessing on the top of it is it you he is to marry or shall it be another madeline pressed her fingertips into the palms of her hands striving to hold herself as with a tight rein i've told you that i would rather you did not question me just now who cares what you would rather and how long have you been singing me that song i'll play with you no more at waiting it's a game at which you're like to win come girl don't pretend to be a lackadaisical fool i'll swear that you're not that didn't i see him kissing you just now yes and was he not doing it with your good will yes and would you let any man kiss you who'd a mind to do it no the no came clearly why then the thing is settled if you like him well enough to let him use you as he was using you just now why won't you say straight out that you will marry him i dare not you dare not what afraid of stains then you're the first that ever was he'll make you as good a husband as woman ever had why should you be afraid to marry him in reply madeline put up her hands to hide her cheeks the old lady turned to her grandson in stupefied amazement stains what's the matter with the girl for maud dorincourt to try to veil her blushes is something new she the most brazen hussy that ever yet i met the earl himself seemed puzzled he looked at the hard-driven madeline as if he could not make her out within his glance a wealth of love and longing which became him very well then going closer to her he began to address her in a voice which the strength of his emotion made dangerously persuasive to the girl's bewildered ears struggle against the feeling as she might his words coming from his heart brought peace to hers and inclined her irresistibly towards him why dare you not what is it that makes you tremble at the thought that i should call you wife is it because you fear that my love for you is not enough that cannot be you know that there is but one woman in the world for me and were you without a penny or the hope of ever having one you are the only woman i would marry 
no matter what others say if you will not have me i'll die a bachelor of that you may be sure i cannot doubt but that you know i'm of the constant kind or is it you're afraid your love for me's too little i cannot think that either after what chance just now my arms still glow where they held you trembling my heart still throbs because it felt yours bounding my lips still burn because you set them in a flame it's not in nature for a woman to be unto a man as a minute back you were to me unless she loves him are you frightened because your own heart tells you this as plainly as mine tells me why then let me give you a continual courage in the same fashion in which i endowed you with it for a time with my arms about you dear regardless of the old woman's great gleaming eyes he went closer still and closer till his arms stole round her waist and again she suffered him my dear my sweet my love pillow your head against my breast and pray god with me that he may bless us and keep us side by side together until life closes and she obeyed she laid her glorious head against his breast having to stoop to do it and sobbed dry-eyed he smoothed the radiant splendour of her hair consoling her as if she was some frightened child sh sh don't tremble so sweetheart you're in safe keeping he who holds you fast loves you better than his life the countess her long pointed chin poised pendulous between the yellow claw-like hands which still clutched at the silver-handled sticks sat still and watched them breaking the silence with a creaking sound which perhaps was meant for laughter come this is better now girl let's have no more shilly-shallying billing and cooing is more in your way that's plain why you've not been at it long ago is beyond my comprehension now you've got so far we'll lose no time in getting you a trifle further the betrothal we will have to-morrow and we'll have as many there to witness it as can be gathered in the time they'll need no pressing i'll be bound all things shall be done in due and proper form as befits your rank and dignity and mine this shall be no match made behind a hedge and ratified in the first dry ditch it shall be the marriage of the season ay of many seasons the greatest noble in the land you're that stains i protest it is to be married to the richest and loveliest maid the world can find that you're the loveliest maid girl you need no telling you've vanity enough for ten as for riches i'm richer even than you think i've that to give you which shall make those yankee women feel they're poor on your wedding day it shall all be yours all all and the fame of the marriage shall go out to the four quarters of the globe princes shall be there and princesses shall look on you with envy i'll spend a fortune on the wedding i put it aside and planned it ah never mind how many years the tale of it shall be in people's mouths to tell to their children's children i'd have done it for your mother girl had she had more sense but i'll do it for you instead since you have shown yourself to be the wiser it has a spoil for the keeping so singleton they've made a match of it at last these turtle doves of ours yes singleton now they are turtle doves look at them and see don't they bear it on their faces why you old fool what is it you're staring at like that isn't it time the match was made while the old lady had been haranguing in a wild inflated fashion which seemed singularly out of keeping with her appearance another listener had appeared upon the scene while the attention of the others had been absorbed in the ancient dowager's declamation mrs singleton had entered unobserved in the very midst of it to find madeline still enfolded in the earl's embrace and the countess crowing stridently over the realization of her long-cherished dreams mrs singleton started back amazed bewildered wondering confusedly to what new tragedy the scene might be the prelude it was while she still gaped open-eyed and open-mouthed that the countess turned and saw her 
to the dowager's first not over civil inquiry mrs singleton was dumb the countess quickly losing patience striking her sticks against the floor with as much violence as she was capable of assailed her with a shower of vituperation ass idiot fool don't you hear what i am saying don't you hear what i am saying don't stand there like a stuck pig staring i tell you that they've made a match of it at last madeline aroused to the fact of mrs singleton's appearance started guiltily from the earl's alluring arms her blood turned from hot to cold her cheeks went white her first impulse was to throw herself at the countess's feet and confess the imposition which had been practised but she was stayed by mrs singleton's stammering reply yes your ladyship i hear you the dowager raged hotly back at her you hear me is that all you have to say did you not advise me not an hour ago not to put pressure on the girl for it would do no good it's done this much good that it's done the business they're to be wed and the betrothal's for to-morrow to-morrow the betrothal so soon the countess half raising herself from her seat shook her saffron-coloured hands in the air in a burst of unbecoming passion so soon so soon what do you call so soon why you smooth-faced cat you've been against me in the business all along i've suspected it i've smelt it now it's plain there's always been the twang of the liar at the tip of your slippery tongue but i'll tell you my cunning singleton that if the girl has not been publicly betrothed by to-morrow about this time if any hitch comes in i don't care what i'll have no more of your shilly-shallying or hers out into the street you go and she goes after you and my curse with her what she stands up in that she shall have for her own and nothing more i'll never look upon your face again or hers she shall die in a ditch as her mother did and be buried in a pauper's grave mrs singleton visibly trembled but i assure you ladyship that you mistake me mistake you yes i've mistaken you before for a decent and an honest creature but you've never deceived me quite singleton i believe that not a little of the evil that has come upon my house has come through you you incited the mother to rebel and now if you could you'd incite the daughter too but a change has come over the girl little thanks i'll be sworn to you she's a new creature she's shown more sense to-day than in the whole of her life before be you careful not to undo what has been done or they'll be rude to wear it's a mistake to keep old servants who've a taste for sharpening their pet claws upon your skin mrs singleton stood in front of the furious harridan abashed confounded in evident perplexity what to do or say madeline with white drawn face and distended frightened eyes was plainly more bewildered even than the over-zealous woman who was the primary cause of the dilemma in which she found herself the earl put out his hand to her with a gesture of half humorous half affectionate entreaty but madeline paid no heed for the moment at any rate the countess was mistress of the situation while the spirit of indecision was still in the air and no one seemed to have anything with which to answer the voluble dowager lady hildegard fanshawe came bustling in the high-pitched tones of her metallic voice were in disagreeable consonance with the old lady's angry croaking mother you here i've been looking for you everywhere and conrad why what's happening the countess turned to her this is happening the girl and stains have come to a point at last they are to be man and wife the betrothal's for to-morrow mother the lady hildegarde started as if not altogether agreeably surprised the girl's all changed she's become as soft as butter and sugar-sweet stains has not only won her hand he's won her heart as well with as i have seen with my own eyes the freehold of her lips it seems after all that the match was made in heaven all the bells will ring in tune there's going to be a wedding which will set 
all the gossips clacking wherever there's a tongue to wag hilda give me your arm and conrad give me yours there are matters of which i wish to speak to you singleton believe the lady in your kind keeping be careful to bear well in mind wherein the truest kindness lies the countess passed out of the room with the lady hildegard holding her up on one side and the earl upon the other they could hear her tongue still going vigorously as she hobbled along the corridor madeline and mrs singleton were alone together End of chapter seven